With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. Thank you, and a big shout out to the iconic voice of Esther Lynn as we welcome you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us. As you know, a lot to talk about seems to be the case every week. In MMA, but uh, especially this week after UFC 264 has been wrapped and packed. A lot of MMA for us to consume this coming weekend as well. And yes, we will discuss the robot this week. The robot that made lots of headlines, but let us not waste any time. Let us introduce the combatants. No tag team match. We're going old school one-on-one. First off, joining the program for the first time. An old colleague, an old co-worker back in the day when we were both over at fan-sided MMA, I was just cutting my teeth in this crazy sport of ours. He's now doing a lot of stuff on his own website, as well as UFC.com. A great talent in our space. Let us say hello to Mr. E, Spencer Kite. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here and back on the show in this Canada versus Canada matchup. Back-to-back wins for this man. One is a solo competitor, one is a member of a team, a championship team at that. His team, known as the King and I, alongside Kristen King, defeated Jed Mishu and Fernanda Pratchis last week. Let us say hello to the Prince of Positivity and the birthday boy, Mr. Alex Cayley. How are you, buddy? You know, know, Mike, when I'm talking to you guys, when I'm doing shows like this, every day is my birthday. This is true. Uh, Yeah, I love it. But uh, yes, listen, uh, I, I, I want to say last week, I may have won, uh, and Chris and I may have won, I should say. Really, you know, and Fernanda kind of defeated themselves, really more so Jay, but I'll take the win anyway. It is official, as you guys can see here. It is now five Ws, two in a row. But yes, today is uh, it will be a win, not just for myself, but for my, my tag team partner, Chris and King. King and I, merchandise coming soon. Excellent. So... 
let's get right into this thing. There's no time like the present to discuss the fallout of UFC 264 because no one has done that yet. No one has done that at all this week. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and do it right now and, and open Pandora's box, if you will. Most notably, let us discuss the main events between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I don't need to go into the whole thing. You all know what happened by now, but there have been stories within the story, including an interesting piece of information provided by Conor McGregor a little earlier today, which we will get to in a moment. But Spencer, let's begin with you. Let's just say five years from right now, somebody comes <laughs> up to you, some MMA fan says, hey, Spencer, what comes to the top of your mind when you think of Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor three? That whole fight, that whole night, what came out of it? What's the first thing that you would tell them about? Uh, probably Jolie Poirier giving Dustin, <laughs> giving, giving Conor McGregor the finger in the middle of the octagon. Uh, an iconic image. Thank you to whoever captured it. Um, if somebody wants to put it on a t-shirt, my DMs are open. I will purchase several. Um, really, it's, it's Dustin rising above. It's sort of the, the way that whole thing played out between Conor being old Connor and crossing some lines and, and saying some stuff that felt classless to me and Dustin just remaining largely the classy individual that he is threw a couple words in there, you know, had, a, had a few shots in there, did the Billy strut himself a little bit, but for the most part made it about his performance and the fight itself and being a competitor. And so for me, it's, it's sort of that play between the two of them. And, and of course, as I said, Jolie, Jolie getting her little message in there to, to Connor as well. AK, your thoughts, like how, how do you feel in the future? You will remember that night, remember that fight and everything that has come, come from it. And I'll be telling everybody about the hero of heroes, uh, tied to Ivasa, who goodness, the man could not have had a more inspiring evening. Uh, and, and, and I'm glad Spencer went outside the main, uh, well, essentially went outside the two main event competitors and went with the you know, main event a, a competitor associate, uh, the wonderful Julie Poirier. Because I'm also going, yeah, I'm going with Tui Vasa. It's not just, again, I, whatever, however people feel about Greg Hardy, people know, I'm not a fan. So it's not just him putting away Greg Hardy, which was fantastic. The man comes out to, I think what we can all agree is an all-time classic, uh, wanna be by the Spice Girls. It's a, it's a it's, and just it changes the whole mood of the card. I mean, we but to that point we'd seen some pretty spectacular stuff, but you know it still felt like a, it felt like a solid UFC card. He took it to another level. He gave people something they had clearly had never seen before. A grown man uh, at the UFC level walking out to the Spice Girls. He had previously walked out to uh, My Heart Will Go On. By Celine Dion, which I know Spencer and I, of course, can, can both appreciate as she's a, a Canadian icon. Uh, so that was a little shout outs for us. And then afterwards, I hate shoeys, but <laughs> I, the man deserved it. Seeing the man just go shoey to shoey to shoey, the poor guy getting blasted with a hot sauce shoey. But, you know, he he, he grinned and he bared through it all. Uh, so for me, I'll be telling people about uh, the night that Tied to Avasa just changed all of our lives. It was such an immaculate performance from entrance to exit. <laughs> All right, so let us get into a big story that that dropped today. Is it was from not really a story, it's just a video that was released from one Conor McGregor because we we've heard all different things and different angles of things that were said, but today people have gotten all sorts of inquisitive. There's lots of questions being asked not towards Conor but now towards the UFC because Conor McGregor drops around a six or so minute video on his Instagram page, and he talked about the latest in regards to his injury. 
his broken tibia. He's riding around in, in a motorized scooter, singing rap songs, and he seemed in pretty good spirits. But in the midst of all this, he said that he went into this fight with Dustin Poirier injured. And not only that, he said the UFC was aware of it. So let me pull this up. Here's what he said. I was injured going into the fight. People are asking me, when was the leg broke? At what point did the leg break? Ask Dana White, ask the UFC, ask Dr. Davidson, the head doctor of the UFC. They knew I had stress fractures in my leg going into the cage. There was debate about pulling the thing out because I was sparring without shin pads and I would kick the knee a few times. So I had multiple stress fractures in the shin bone above the ankle. And then I have trouble with the ankle anyway throughout the years of effing fighting all the time. And I also was wrapping the ankle every training session. So AK, he also said that this injury in a bizarre way essentially was a blessing in disguise because it forced him to get treatment on this leg. What is your reaction to what Conor McGregor had to say today in his comments in that six minute Instagram video? Uh, first off, let me address one of the comments on our YouTube asking, where is Jed? Uh, I'll answer that one real quick. Who cares? Uh, so <laughs> talking about, so going to the second thing I want to do is the second thing I want to do is Mike, if I may is uh, directly attack Spencer because yes, look, we're Canadian. We're all friends here. But I will say, uh, Spencer writes wonderful profiles for UFC.com. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys like, you know, anytime uh, lead up to fight night, uh, you know, you want to know more about some of these fighters. Uh, uh, Spencer's always writing uh, stuff, you know, in case you're wondering what these guys been up to, maybe why they were out of action. So compliments to him for that. But I bet Spencer he should lose this round automatically because I bet he knew all about. Why don't you tell us, Spencer, about your, your exclusive interview you had with Conor McGregor where he tells you all about his leg problems. This this whole thing could have been avoided. Poor Conor McGregor goes in there. You could you should have shared with the world what was wrong with poor Conor McGregor, who clearly has been dealing with these serious injuries for God knows how long, according to his video today. So, uh, uh, so yes, well, I would love to answer this question, Mike. I, I'm happy to, to push it on to Spencer first because I want answers. Why, Spencer, did you not tell America <laughs> that Conor McGregor's legs just essentially did not work going into, yeah. going into Saturday's I, What I, happened, Spencer? I, I really do apologize for all of that inside information that I most certainly oh did not have. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my connections, I have, you know, back when, back when Conor started, I have been over to Ireland and, and met him and John Cavanaugh and a bunch of the team at SBG when they were in the old warehouse days. Um, back just after his debut, that relationship really hasn't maintained very well since he uh, became a global superstar and the wealthiest athlete in the world. Uh, he doesn't really care to talk to Canadian journalists from Abbotsford, British Columbia anymore. Uh, there are bigger people in his world than I am. So I sadly didn't have any of that inside information and, uh, you know, I, I understand the tactic. I appreciate the tactic. I appreciate the kind words about my work. But yeah, I, I had no inside information on this one and, and have, to, have to bow out of holding responsibility for, for not telling people about Connor's shins. AK, I mean, you're not the, I mean, stop trying to take the hosting duties and try to veer this conversation the way you I'm sorry. I asked you a question. I want answers, yes, AK. I want answers from you. What was the question again? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was like two minutes ago. <laughs> what a the reaction to the video and what he said about not only the injury, general, but the was, UFC it, knowing it was, about it. The, uh, that's a uh, – oh, 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 the reaction to the video. Okay. Uh, Mike, that's a hell of an allegation. 
because uh, he specifically says he he doesn't just go you know he didn't just do like a vague hand wave like oh some people knew about this he says Dana White knew about it the UFC whatever that means officials matchmakers Doctor Davidson the uh, the you know the uh, longtime official physician of the UFC these are really serious and presumably of course this includes the Las Vegas Commission the Nevada uh, Nevada Athletic Commission so this is a really serious thing to throw out there. Uh, obviously, uh, I can tell you, uh, you know, we've reached out to uh, the UFC. Unsurprisingly, they have not commented on this particular situation. I don't think they're in a hurry to address it. Um, but look, this is just classic excuse making. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying he couldn't have issues. Couldn't have had issues with his legs. But it, what is what could be different about him than so many other fighters? Uh, that go into the UFC. Uh, and, and again, he's also not the first fighter to come up with excuses. So I'm not saying like, oh, this is such a McGregor thing to do. All fighters do it. All fighters do it. It's becoming a chronic thing with him. It always seems to be something now when he loses. Uh, I, I was inefficient with my energy. Uh, uh, oh, the calf kicks caught me off guard. You know, I was focusing more on boxing than MMA and the second Poirier fight. So it's it's becoming an issue. And if people want to buy these these uh, excuses, that's fine. I understand a lot of fans of his want to find a way to maintain their faith in him, and that's fine. There's not there's nothing wrong with that, and that's uh, you know there's, he's, he needs to maintain his own confidence, his own marketability. He's gonna be on the shelf for a while, so there's no reason for him to go into this. I guess there's no reason to go into this uh, stretch of inactivity uh, with any sort of plan for introspection. <laughs> the man doesn't change. The man doesn't change. That's part of his brand. Uh, so while I, you know, I this, these kinds of claims of uh, again having this injury and everyone knowing about it, I don't love it. I, I don't think it's great. But uh, do I think he's like he's going to retract the same point? Does he does he think this is bad for his brand? Not at all. Not at all. This is classic excuse making, and he's not the first guy to do it. He won't be the last, and it certainly won't be the last time that he does it. Spencer, what did you think of this thing? Because I, I had two different thoughts. One was kind of with AK, like, wow, you're 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 throwing it all out there. Like you're 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 throwing these guys under the bus. Yeah. But at the same token, I'm thinking to myself, and I haven't actually seen like any med- medical clearance paperwork in terms of the Nevada Commission. But if you have these, you know, if you have these injuries, I think you're supposed to declare that you have these injuries. So chances tell, chances are he didn't even declare these injuries. So is this Connor just saying, listen, if I'm going down, y'all going down with me? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to find out if this is Connor just saying stuff or if this is like real. And I mean, let's be clear. There have been lots of athletes, as as AK said, that have not declared stuff in the past, that have come out afterwards and said, well, hand was broken i had a fractured skull i had a broken back all of those different things and so this isn't a new tactic but it is a big one because he does put specific names to it um, with dana with dr davidson with the ufc and so that side of it will be interesting to figure out my first takeaway from the video is that i want to see like the next six months just a a connor instagram live series of him driving around on a rascal scooter in california (laughs) Like I just cruise down the beach, people shouting at him, him cursing people out. Like that's entertaining to me. Give me that. Give me that Conor McGregor show. Give me, give me that version of things as opposed to the guy we saw last week that was back to being a jackass and saying stuff that is off color and off putting. Give me, give me playful, fun, charming Conor. And then let's just let the, the excuse making and all of that stuff subside. Because I think at the end of the day, it really just is trying to find a way to rationalize what happened and trying to find a way to justify what happened, which as AK said, it, it happens every time. I mean, can't y'all remember that, that Nathan Diaz was 
naturally a heavyweight in that fight and poor little Connor went in there trying to like, this is just how it goes. Right. And, and if he really did have fractured shins and chronically bad ankles, it's like a lot of smart people on Twitter said today, then the absolute best strategy sure was to go out there and just start spamming kicks right off the bat, just to, just to see how those fractured shins are going to hold up. I love how Scooter Connor is now a thing in, oh, yeah. inside the I, MMA either. It's great. Give me, <laughs> give me all of too. it. Like six months of just him going to get yogurt, him cruising down <laughs> the beach. Like, you know, there's going to be like, isn't there a Connor McGregor impersonator out that way that like they're going to connect <laughs> up and do the like buddy cop movie? Like, give it to me. Give me that. <laughs> Let me see it. The family's coming out. It'd be great. Take the kids for a ride on the scooter. I like it. In light of all of this, and we're not going to get into the ugliness of it all with some of the things that were said, because listen, it's been beaten to death. Everybody's talked about it. Paul Felder cut a delightful promo about it, and we're just going to kind of leave it at that. So things did get ugly along the way, but you could even make the argument that because of the ugliness, it seems that Dana White, Conor McGregor, and (laughs) Dustin Poirier all want a fourth fight. They all want a fourth fight. And things have gotten very personal between the two guys, and rightfully so. And although there isn't full closure, there are a lot of people that have seen enough here, Spencer. So where are you at on this? Like, I guess there's two questions. One, do we need to see a fourth fight to close this book for good? And the other question, will we see a fourth fight? Yeah, those are the two separate questions. Um, I don't need to see a fourth fight. I came away from that one feeling... Like Dustin is the is the better fighter right now and has been in these two fights this year and will be 18 months from now when they do it for for a fourth time because they will do it for a fourth time. I mean, Dustin's answer, I kind of expected Dustin to to shoot it down at the press conference afterwards. And as soon as somebody asked, he was like, oh, we're not done. Like whether it's outside on the sidewalk or in the octagon, we're doing it again because you don't say the things that that he said and and not have to pay for them. And so when you take that animosity and combine it with Connor's marketability, that's never going to wane. Like you see in the aftermath of this, that no matter what happens, there are people that are going to loyally stand behind this dude and, and buy every fight he's in. And so you get another opportunity to do a, do a fight that did 1.7 or 1.8 million pay-per-view buys. It's going to happen again. I don't necessarily need to see it. I think we get a similar outcome to the first fight, I don't hope we get a similar outcome to this one, obviously. I don't want anybody to, to break their leg. But I think it ends up being the same result and doesn't really move us forward anywhere in this division that always kind of feels like it gets backed up a little bit because of stuff like this. AK, if, for those who listen to on to the next one, we know that you have no desire to see a fourth fight, but... I have made this point and people have kind of chastised me for it. Some people agreed, but some, a lot of people disagreed. I feel that even if Dustin Poirier beats Charles Oliveira and becomes the champion, the second Conor McGregor is ready to come back, even though he's gotten finished in two straight fights and three out of four, that they're going to throw him into a title fight with Dustin Poirier. And people are like, ah, oh, there's no way they can't force Dustin to take this fight. Force him. You know how much <laughs> money he's going to make to fight Conor? a fourth time with a title on the line. This thing did 1.8 million pay-per-view buys for a card that kind of like 
didn't really get cooking until fight week. What do you think is going to happen 18 months from now when the comeback is is on? There's a title on the line, and we have this fourth fight once and for all. Is Could it do better than 1.8 million? We're going to see this fight, right? Am I nuts? I don't know if it does better than 1.8 mil, but the fact that it's like minimum 1.5 mil is like insane. Is insane when you compare it to again that your average or your average UFC card these days. Uh, Mike, you're right. I I personally don't want to see it. I I didn't want to see the third fight. I, I I tweeted something out to the effect of like I'd, I I want to see Davy Grant Cheeto Vera three more than I want to see you know McGregor Poirier three. And I was I wasn't even joking. Like I honestly didn't care. Um, I, I'm human, of course. Also, you know, it's our job. Uh, we covered the fight. I, of course, I find it I find it intriguing. It's Conor McGregor. He's the biggest name in the sport. But I, you know, there's other matchups I want to see him in. That said, if I'm Dustin Poirier, I want to fight Conor McGregor forever. I want to get that title. I want to fight Oliveira. I want to win that title. Because and I really had to think about it today because there was just some discussion. Someone reminded me um, that you know. Huffield, the card wasn't going to fall apart if, for whatever reason, let's say uh, Conor McGregor couldn't compete. Let's say, let's say he had to pull out because of the, the uh, he had leg, leg injuries. Uh, RDA, Rafael dos Anjos was there. You know, he did weigh in as a replacement. So maybe that lends credence to the theory that uh, UFC thought there was a chance. You know, something might happen with Conor. But putting that aside, if the card had gone down with the Dustin Poirier, Rafael dos Anjos main event, that does maybe four hundred thousand buys tops and that's including people who maybe ordered the pay-per-view ahead of time and they're just like well i'm, I'm not i'm gonna watch it anyway forget it. i've already ordered i'm not pulling out so uh, maybe i'm wrong maybe five hundred thousand. i don't know how much cachet poirier has as a pay-per-view draw uh rda i think is certainly not as big of a star as poirier or mcgregor so it would really be more poirier but five hundred thousand tops i'm really thinking close to four hundred thousand. and again when you're poirier and you're getting pay-per-view points the difference between four hundred thousand and 1.8 million. I'm, I'm not a doctor, guys. It's a lot of money. And and it's and it's more than he'll ever get to fight anybody. Even Oliveira, I think it's 500,000 tops. So I'm against it. But if Dustin Poirier said, look, I, I, I'm i going to be willing to fight this guy for eternity and do one point, even diminishing returns, 1.5 million, the next time it's 1.2 million, then it's just 1 million for the sixth time they fight. That's still just so much more money. Like we can't even figure out how much, calculate how much more money that is uh, than he would normally get for anyone else. So uh, I don't like it. But it's 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 very very likely going to happen. It's true. We're all in agreement. This fight will happen at some point. It Dustin will not be Dustin's next fight. Probably won't be two fights from now. But as soon as Connor's ready, get ready for it because it's going to happen. But the story will continue on. We will see where it officially goes. But let's talk more about some of the other storylines coming out of UFC 264. But the point for round one goes to. The man who put maybe the greatest reality show ever into the world for us, Spencer Kite, gets the point because Connor on a scooter for the next 18 months is just must-see TV. Oh, I can't get yeah, enough of yeah. that. I just want to... Money. I, I, I want, it's money. Yeah. It's money. Scooter different adventures. rap songs. Yeah, he's got to yeah. sing a different rap song every time, put a different spin exactly. on it. But, uh... We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So UFC 264, that, I mean, obviously that was what was on the marquee, Poirier McGregor 3, but there are some other fights, some intriguing fights, uh, like the co-main event. Gilbert Burns defeats Stephen Thompson via unanimous decision. There were a lot of people, the T-Mobile Arena, Dana White being one of them, that didn't think the fight was, uh, w- w- was very good, that it wasn't an entertaining showing, but Gilbert Burns goes in there and he gets it done. And I thought, honestly, AK, and I've talked about this on, on to the next one, I thought he had a hell of a night. What did you think of Gilbert's performance? And do you think that there's a part of these feelings from people, maybe Dana, I don't know if Dana specifically, but from like the fans, it stems from the fact that Wonderboy's title aspirations seem to be a thing of the past now and they just like him so much and it's just such a heartbreaking moment for him? Yeah, I think so for I, sure. I mean, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is, is genuinely one of the nicest human beings walking the earth. He's a dude you have to root for. You could argue that the case he made before that fight for challenging for the title had some legitimacy. Maybe you don't hustle him in there off the two wins that he had, but you know, it's, it's not a rematch and it looks like we, you know, we got the rematch with Masvidal. It looks like we're going to get a rematch with Colby. So it would have been a fresh matchup. And now that's gone by the wayside. I think some of it too, is just what we kind of always see and always experience covering this sport is that when you get a exciting striker like Wonderboy can be people want to see him be an exciting striker and if you're the guy that's going to come in here and shut that down and wrestle him to the ground and Steven being good enough on the ground that you're not necessarily going to advance and get a bunch of submissions and, and attack positions it kind of makes for just a tactical fight and there aren't a lot of people necessarily that like tactical fights Dana White often being one of them. A lot of the people in attendance at the T-Mobile Arena who are back out into civilization for the first time 
wanting to just have this raucous night coming off of Tai Tuivasa's knockout and Irina Aldana's knockout that want to just see more chaos get a very kind of slowed down methodical fight. And so I think that's where the reactions come from. It's hard to see Wonder Boy miss out on those opportunities, but it was a great performance by Gilbert Burns. AK, what, what did you think of the fight? And, and just Gilbert overall, man. Like, I thought his work on the stick afterwards was phenomenal. Like, I thought he he played it to perfection. And I actually spoke with Gilbert Burns earlier today. You'll hear that interview on What the Heck. And he kind of explained his reasoning behind that promo after the fight. And it's pretty awesome. So looking forward to, to Tuesday morning when that drops. But what did you think of Gilbert's performance overall? Like, not just the fight, but, you know, everything that happened after the final horn, the, the, the interview with Joe Rogan, all of that. What would you grade him? What the hell is wrong with MMA fans that they're booing <laughs> and criticizing Gilbert Burns? He's a super nice guy. Yeah, uh, he did a great job with the post-fight promo. He 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 reacted in the moment. He felt the boo. He said the boos were coming. All right. Well, I, so what I think whatever he was going to say after, he probably he probably switched up a little bit. So he did a great job with that. It wasn't like this canned uh, promo. I'm sure he knew he who you know whose names he was going to call out. But you know he tweaked it. He he had a, he had a, a basic idea of what he wanted to say and tweaked it based on on the scenario. That was great. Uh, the fight was good. Like I, I'm not. It wasn't a super exciting fight. But he did – his game plan was excellent. I think he clearly won. I, I don't know if there, there, there should be any controversy there. Don't blame him for stifling Wonder Boy's uh, title chances when, again, the UFC could have given Stephen Thompson a title shot, arguably, instead of giving Jorge Masvidal a title shot off of a loss. That's not Gilbert Burns's fault. Don't, don't, don't blame them for that. Don't blame them because they would rather see Colby Cummington – uh, and Usman fight again, then give him a fresh challenge, uh, Usman a fresh challenger in Wonder Boy. Th- that's the UFC's call. So if you're wondering, did Gilbert Burns stop him? Uh, yes, but guess who else did? The UFC. Okay, so don't be mad at Gilbert Burns. And and there is this horrible, like there's this horrible revisionist history that I saw. At least again, looking at stupid comments online, <laughs> saying like, oh, Burns is like a boring fighter. I'm like, Gilbert Burns is a. This guy's been like smoking people at welterweight, like. Even the fight with Usman was super exciting, uh, and he, the, the one he lost. Uh, uh, the Woodley fight was a bit methodical, but it was certainly amazing to see him dominate a former champion like that. It's like Gilbert Burns is boring. What is going on here? And and and, and Dana White again to just to you know go after Dana White as we in the so-called MMA media love to do. Uh, he he, I, I can't stand him like throw you know saying it was a bad performance. Like this is. He's so influential, and all it takes is him saying something like that for a lot of fans to go like to kind of confirm, you know, what fans thought they saw. Because like it's it's true. Again, it was a methodical performance. It wasn't a barn burning fight. So if any fans are kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure if I like that, then suddenly Dana White says, uh, you know, he kind of he kind of sits down on it, and it's like, oh yeah, oh well, Gilbert Gilbert Burns just sucks. It's like Dana White has the power to kind of turn things around like that and kind of shift, you know, help shift people's opinions, which he should do as a promoter. Uh, and for him to, to criticize Gilbert Burns and for anyone to co- criticize Gilbert Burns is just is so frustrating to me, Mike. I thought Gilbert Burns did a great job and uh, and was was one of the standout fighters of UFC 264. I think that's the only way to look at it. Shout out to Al. They weren't booing Gilbert Burns. They were saying boo Burns. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. well played. I'm, I'm angry with myself for not recognizing that. Opportunity. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't say that, AK. As oh soon as I God. saw that, I'm like, that is such an AK thing to say. But yeah, – so Tai Tuivasa gets the big win. Irini Aldana, great win. A little bit of an asterisk on it because she missed weight. But 
one of the big storylines coming out of this event was the first fight of the main card between Sean O'Malley and New England's Chris Butino. This was a clinic from Sean O'Malley offensively. He looks sensational, but the heart of Chris Butino, his ability to take punishment, it stole a big chunk of the narrative. And the other big piece of this puzzle, Spencer, and I'll, I'll go back to you on this one, was the stoppage. Like, did Herb Dean make the right call not stopping the fight? Because I, I think we can all agree the stoppage could have and should have happened at some point in this fight, but he waited until the final 27 seconds of the third round to stop it. So do you agree with the stoppage or at that point, that deep in the fight, should have Herb Dean have let Chris get to the final horn? I agree with the stoppage because I'm always going to side on, on the side of fighter safety and protecting these athletes. Watching it back and, and even watching it live, it felt to me like Herb was kind of in that I'm getting ready to stop this fight stance that he gets into for about two minutes and kind of just was waiting for an opportunity and waiting to see sort of not it sounds bad if I say waiting to see the punishment pile up, but just kind of waiting to see how Chris Mutino reacted to it. And if there were moments where he was slowing down or, or got stopped, do I understand all the people, you know, saying let the kid go the next 27 minutes. What's the 27 seconds. What's the big deal. Absolutely. I get it. He put on, a hell of a performance in terms of showing how gritty and tough and, you know, competitive he can be in there and, and make you want to see his next fight. But he got lit up. Like, let's, let's be clear. Sean O'Malley, as you said, put on a clinic, more than 70% landed in terms of significant strikes, up over 200 significant strikes. So it's not like this was a competitive fight where Chris Matino got robbed of sort of that last second opportunity. And if we're, if we're clinging to the, well, you never know what's going to happen in the last 27 seconds. Yeah, we do. He's going to get punched in the head a bunch more and he's going to keep walking forward and it's going to be an even wider margin of victory. So I have no quarrel with it. I think he could have stopped it earlier, but I also kind of understand the people saying, let him just get to the buzzer. AK, now that, you've had some days to digest this and we've talked about this before and you know and i even said this on sunday had herb dean stopped it before the second round i'd have no issue had he stopped it midway through the second round i'd have no issue had he stopped it both before the third round i don't think anybody would have any issue with any of these scenarios but it was the fact that he waited till there's 27 seconds left and and i i've said this before and i'll say it again i don't have an issue with the stoppage at all I just kind of, at that point, like, if you're going to let it go that deep and let him take 230 strikes, like, what's 10 more? You know what I mean? Like, it can be a lot. I, I get that from, like, a medical perspective. We want to see these guys be as healthy as possible. But you got to watch the interview with Chris Butino that I did for What the Heck. You got his side of it. Has your stance changed at all? Like, should her, what was your thought on the stoppage now that you've heard pretty much all sides to this? Uh, I'll say, for, let me say first that this is the definition of a controversial stoppage, not necessarily a bad stop. I, I know I'm not going to say bad stoppage, uh, or, or but I thought I think controversial is perfect for it because I think there's so many legitimate arguments to be made around it. Was it too late in the fight? Was it early in the moment with 30 seconds remaining? Uh, could could Mutino's corner have considered uh, you know stopping the fight uh, at an earlier time? Uh, how close was O'Malley to really landing like a bomb? That would have put him down and 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 ended the fight and again taking it the decision almost out of the hands of Herb Dean and just made it a straight KO. Forget TKO, you know he might have he could have been one or two shots away from uh, from actually 
knocking uh, knocking Mutino straight out. Hard to believe, considering how much punishment Mutino had taken up to that point. But I'm just saying these are, these are all the kinds of things we can discuss about this uh, this again controversial stoppage, and that's okay because uh, we've had some stop or some Herb Dean stoppages that are just objectively bad. Like when we call when we say controversial, sometimes that's our nice way of saying like, oh, this guy effed up. So in this case, I don't think he effed up. I, I really don't. I, I personally don't think he effed up, and I've seen strong arguments for both sides. Um, yeah, so Mutino, uh, look, I, I, I under, yes, having heard his side of the story, certainly he would have wanted to continue. Uh, certainly he, feel, he, he knows he wasn't going to win the fight. But for a fighter, there is a big difference between seeing, well, uh, uh, okay, well, I, I made it to all the to distance, or this is another stoppage on my on my, uh, my you know on my resume because I think he came in with like four stoppage losses, and now this is number five, and and in his mind, he's just kind of like, well, I th- you know this shouldn't be lumped in with those. This wasn't a stoppage. This, that, that is not how he lost his time. This should have been this should have been a decision loss, um, and I, and I understand that. And the other thing is, I do respect his mentality of thinking, <laughs> even though it's. He was not going to win the fight, but I like his mentality of if if there was two more rounds, who knows what could have happened. Uh, he felt he was coming on strong. He said he was, I think for lack of a better phrase in his interview with you, Mike, he said that he felt O'Malley was getting scared uh, near the end of the fight. Concerned, I think, is more really what he means, not like scared, like frightened, more concerned. Uh, and, and just to put a cap on it, look. Uh, if anyone saw the medical suspensions, the official medical suspensions that came out, Chris Moutinho, I think minimum suspension, he could compete again as early as like, uh, you know, first week of September. Uh, Sean O'Malley, injuries to both his hands, I think his like, uh, one of his feet, one of his feet and then one of his like uh, ankles or something. And uh, so, and he's potentially out for six months. We might not see Sean O'Malley until January. So... I don't know. Who knows? Who knows how close Moutinho, Who knows how correct Moutinho really was that, that the tide was turning. But uh, it took its toll on both men. Apparently, more so on on Sean O'Malley. So, uh, so pretty wild stuff. Uh, we, we'll move on for the interest of time. But I will say one of my favorite things to come out of the weekend was, and I don't know who did it. And if anybody knows who did it, give them a shout out. Let me know. Tag them on Twitter or whatever. Someone created a meme of Randy Marsh from South Park with green hair and it said hey o'malley i didn't hear no bell that was amazing so kudos to whoever did that but uh we'll go from one crazy event to another crazy event that happened earlier this week and it's going to be with us for another five to six weeks at least but the point for round two goes to the birthday boy alexander k lee is one to one good stuff gentlemen And now let's go to the reason that everybody is watching this program right now. We're going to shift to the boxing world because it is now official. August 29th, Cleveland, Ohio, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley is happening. The former UFC welterweight champion is heading to the YouTubers hometown of Cleveland. And this fight is actually happening. Of course, we had the press conference on Tuesday featuring Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley and a giant robot. So AK, we're going to start with you this time. Did you watch the press conference? And if so, what did you think of it? Did it do its job? Uh, I certainly did watch it. And I actually think it did do its job. Uh, I, I, if, if you're asking, did it do its job of maybe, you know, getting people who are on the fence or maybe even catching the attention of uh, people who are kind of, again, like I said, they, they kind of, they now have the official date. 
I think it did help. I didn't think uh, things got out of hand in like an annoying way. We've seen that with press conferences where there's a lot of like back and forth. There was some of that for sure. But I, I don't think either guy came off in like that such that abrasive way that you're like, well, I don't want to see either of these guys fight. Like I just never want to see anything from either of these guys again. I thought they, they properly sold the fight. There was a few dumb uh, personal insults in there as was to be expected. But overall – there's there is like I, I think Woodley is is such a more intriguing um uh, uh opponent, athletically speaking, than Ben Askren. Can he sell a fight like Ben Askren? Does he have kind of like that that it factor uh that Ben Askren has or had going into that uh, Jake Paul fight? Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, Ben Askren's a character. Uh, I would I would not describe uh Tyron Woodley that uh Tyron Woodley that way. So but it, again, this has the feel of and I can't believe I'm using this word, legitimacy. Like it's that was kind of the strangest thing while I was watching it is that there was a certain um, it was almost mundane, but like in a good way, like we're getting used to it. We're getting used to these Jake Paul celebrity boxing things happening. And 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 with that comes with sort of this like acceptance, this almost like broader acceptance that these fights are not going away, uh, that they are for the most part, worthy of your attention. Again, especially if you enjoyed Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, if you enjoyed Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, if you enjoyed uh, the first thriller event with Jake Paul and Nate Robinson and, all the, and Mike Tyson and, and Roy Jones Jr. and all that stuff that happened. If you enjoyed that, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost becoming not a guilty pleasure. It almost becomes a thing, again, where we've accepted this is now part of the combat sports uh, uh, field. This is its own genre. This is, there's kickboxing, bare knuckle boxing, uh, you know, com- 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 competitive uh, jujitsu. Uh, uh, sorry, combat jujitsu, and now celebrity boxing. It's its own brand uh, of of of, of uh, combat sports. And and I I thought the press conference was really good. I thought the robot, whoever's in the robot suit, needs to get a raise. Reveal yourself who you are, hero, because <laughs> he didn't stop working. He was like punctuating all of Jake Paul's statements in the background. It, it really, the camera should have been focused on him all the, the whole time. I think we did. I think our, our main fighting footage did a great job of zooming in on him when we could. Uh, but he really needed his separate cam. Way to go! Way to go! Pat ourselves, pat ourselves on the back. Uh, because yeah, I, I thought it was a it was a good press conference. Not the most like controversial, super exciting press conference, but I don't think that's what this fight needs. I think this fight needs is again what I said before: some sense of legitimacy. And I think heaven help us. I think we got it. <laughs> Spencer, what, what did you think of the press conference? Did you did you watch it? Did you either watch highlights? Like, what, what were your thoughts on the whole thing and on the build to August 29th? I didn't watch it, and the fact that AK is using the word legitimacy and then running down the opponents that that Jake Paul has fought, being Nate Robinson and Ben Askren as markers for this is becoming a legitimate thing, and there's a robot involved and. <laughs> Like it's, it's just like, if, if we're qualifying that as legitimate and I get it, like people are into this and people absolutely want to see it. And I don't knock Showtime for getting involved and shout out to the Paul brothers for getting their money. Shout out to Tyron Woodley for getting his in this and Ben Askren for getting his from earlier this year. But like, just because people are interested and just because it has a platform doesn't necessarily mean that we have to treat this like some kind of legitimate sporting event and and put it on the same level as as some of this other combat sports that some of the other combat sports that we get or even just like legitimate entertainment this is carnival carnival barker stuff i'm cool with it do it have at it but like to to use the word legitimacy about this kind of feels a little bit weird because 
you said there was a robot that was doing the most work at the press conference and was the breakout star of the press conference. And I can't think of any other sporting event where that's, that's the big takeaway. And that's the thing that, that makes it legitimate. And so for me, look, I'm, I'm interested because I do think it is a, obviously a, a much more competitive fight than the Ben Askren fight was. I think, you know, Jake Paul, you got to give him credit. He really is putting in as much work as he can to become a legitimate boxer. And I think Tyron Woodley, even though he's up in into his late thirties and, you know, kind of left the UFC on, on a low, he is the most accomplished in terms of athleticism and an athletic talent guy that's been in the ring with Jake Paul. And so it should, I hope be a much more competitive fight. And I think people are going to be interested. And I, I think the group that was going to be interested and into this fight already didn't need any more convincing. And so did, did the press conference and everything that came out of it sway a few more people over to, to be interested in it? Probably that's what a press conference is for. But in terms of, you know, is this a legitimate sporting endeavor and, and this stuff's getting real? Like, I don't know, man. And, and until I see him fight an actual boxer, I'm going to have some problems calling Jake Paul legitimate. So, AK, we did a reaction podcast to this press conference. It was Sean Alshadi, myself, and Damon Martin. And we're trying to find the right words to express how we feel heading into this fight. And one of the words I threw out that was seemed to be the word of most debate was excited. And everyone wrestled with that word. And I'm curious, AK, are you excited for this fight? Like not the circus and not the build and the silliness, but the actual fight itself. Like, are you excited to see Jake Paul box Tyron Woodley? I am legitimate excited. There's that, <laughs> there's that, there's that word again, capital L capital E. I am legitimately <laughs> excited guys. It's I, I thought that, I thought the Askren, Jake Paul, I am, I am on record on so many of our shows saying this. I, I was super intrigued by the Jake Paul, um, Ben Askren fight. Uh, and I'm even more intrigued by this one because, yeah, I think we view Tyron Woodley as a little more of a striker for sure. He has highlight real knockouts on his record in MMA. Completely different sport, I understand. But the thought of Ben Askren landing like a KO blow on uh, – on, uh, 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 Jake, Jake Paul, excuse me, I totally forgot his name for a second. Uh, Jake Paul, it was like a pipe dream. It's like, it's like that's probably not going to happen. The thought of Tyron Woodley doing it, it doesn't seem completely unbelievable. Again, we don't know how how uh, Tyron's going to look uh, in a in a straight-up boxing match, but we know he has power. We know he's he's not the kind of guy, you know, there was a lot of cracks about Askren's like, uh, dad bought physique before that fight. That's not going to happen with Tyron Woodley. The guy is in immaculate shape. Say what you want about his performances. Um, again, may, may, you know, maybe maybe the the body and the mind aren't quite as willing to pull the trigger anymore uh, in a high level UFC fight. But but he's certainly still in great athletic shape, and that's that's a big big sell for this fight. So it, it's it's just it, it on a basic primal level of uh, Jake Paul leveling up competition wise, and now is he facing a more again? I, now I'm tired of using this word myself. A more legitimate opponent in Woodley. It certainly feels that way. And the only way to find out if it's real or not is to watch the actual fight. And that that is the appeal of it. That is what makes it so exciting. Will it be a good fight? I don't know. Uh, you know, again, how do we define good in this scenario? I think it's going to vary from person to person. But I think 
as soon as as soon as fight night rolls around i i know i'm going to be super into it and i think a lot of people who, who tuned in are not going to regret um that they that they invested their time in it spencer something tells me that excited is not one of the words that's on top of mind when it comes to this fight so if you could put a word to it in terms of how you're feeling heading into august 29th what word would you use and why I'm certainly intrigued because, like I said, I, I give Jake Paul credit for the steps he's taken and the effort he's committed to building himself as a boxer and trying to develop this. Um, he's certainly much more refined at it and, and seems like he's put a lot more energy into it than his brother, who looked like he was just out there swinging, swinging for the fences and you know, throwing, throwing ugly punches against Floyd Mayweather. And I'm in, I'm intrigued to see what he does against the guy that, you know, is, is a former UFC champion and is still in great shape and, and should, as we've said, be a level up in terms of competition, because this is sort of the way you see if there is legitimacy here. And if there is something beyond just being spectacle here. So I'll certainly pay attention in terms of, getting some results, getting some, you know, replays and, and highlights through Twitter, but it's not a like appointment viewing for me where I'm, I'm planning this out to sit down on my, on my couch that night and, and take it all in. If he goes out and beats Tyron Woodley though, like even I, I will come back on this show and offer a mea culpa to, to AK Lee, to Jake Paul, to literally everybody for me calling it illegitimate or, or thinking, questioning the legitimacy of this, because if he goes out there and beats Tyron Woodley, then it's something we need to talk about more and pay more attention to, because then it's, you know, it's it's not beaten, as you said, it's not beating Ben Askren, who really stood not a lot of chance of going out there and landing a, a big shot to win that fight. But Tyron has that potential, and he should have that, or he should have that potential, and we'll find out if he does. First of all, there's nothing more legitimate than a robot being involved in fight promotion. Ask the UFC. They know this during their, uh, their, their days with Fox. And also, there's nothing, nothing makes a fight more legitimate than a tattoo bet. And that's what we have here. The stakes are high, gentlemen. The stakes are high heading into August Mike, 29th. Have, and the good have, news is – go ahead. We have Spencer's bet now. Now, Spencer is saying he will, he will, he will retract what he is he – will, he will call – he will look back on this retroactively – as a legitimate athletic contest should, should uh, Jake Paul win. So that's really what to be, the, the tattoo thing is super cool. This is, this is what I'm really waiting for. I cannot wait to see this man's world turned upside down. I don't want to see those goalposts moved again, Spencer. All right. Those goal, those, those goalposts no, are listen, set. He goes, out and, he goes out and beats Tyron Woodley. I will be the first one all up in your mentions saying you were right. I was wrong. I bow down. If I, if I win today, and and Jake Paul wins, I hereby solemnly do promise that I will accept the no contest in this in this contest. <laughs> I think I, I think even more so what we, we we should do, and you can hopefully find a way to do this, is that if this happens, you have to issue an apology via video, but riding around in a motorized cart, a la Conor McGregor. I will find a scooter. There there are certainly scooters at, at several big box stores around here. I will uh, I will commandeer one, grab a selfie stick, and just bomb around rapping and apologizing to AK Lee. <laughs> I have never – wow. I, okay. I might just, be rooting for Jake Paul now. Through the, just cruising through the aisles of Costco. 
I'll have to do something as well, Richard. So we'll, we'll figure that out. But yeah, obviously, I mean, if you're going to put all that in the line, I got to do something. So, uh, bet within a bet. This is a beautiful thing. And the good news is we have five or so full weeks to build upon this into August this 29th. Bet. So, so get your robot costumes ready and and, and buckle up. And uh, just like we should buckle up for the final round of regulation, the points for round three goes to. AK, two to one. Good stuff. This is a tough one. Proverbial flip of the old coin as we... uh... Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. We head to the weekend to come for our wonderful sport of mixed martial arts. There is no Jake Paul fight. We have two events on the calendar. There's there's more, but two are at sort of the forefront. We got Bellator 262, which comes up tomorrow night on Showtime. Flyweight title on the line in the main event, Juliana Velasquez versus Denise Kielholtz. We got Tyrell Fortune versus Matt Mitrione. Cody Law is back. Johnny Eblen is back. Some good prospects, some interesting fights for sure. The UFC is back on Saturday. This was supposed to be... Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. Injury to Holloway scratches that fight. Now the new main event is Islam Makachev versus Tiago Moises. We got the return of Misha Tate against the soon-to-be-retired Marion Renault. Jeremy Stevens versus Batush Gamrod. He's had some wonderful comments this week, which we're not going to get into and more. So, Spencer, we go back to you, my friend. Who's bringing the better card to the table on this weekend, the UFC or Bellator, and why? For me, it's the UFC, but it's not by a wide margin. Shout out to to some of the people competing on Bellator. Juliana Velasquez is a terrific fighter. Very much interested in seeing that fight. I think it's a a good matchup. I want to see what she does in her her first title defense. Shout out to Matt Mitrione for his I throw hands son comment today that that made the waves, (laughs) made the rounds on, on the internet as somebody like started out the questions. It's like, hey, Matt. You just keep losing. And he was like, cool, that's how we're doing this? All right, sure, let's go. And then he asked him how he's going to win. And and he said in pure meat fashion, I throw hands, son. That's what I do. There are some good prospects, as you mentioned. Very curious to see what they do. But it also feels like kind of the, the standard Bellator play with some of their prospects where they're in highly winnable fights as opposed to competitive fights that are necessarily going to give us a lot of instruction about what they can do in the future. And I just like a bunch of the prospects and a bunch of the matchups on the UFC card a little bit more. 
Gabriel Benitez and Billy Quarantillo is violence guaranteed. Certainly looking forward to that one. Um, I think Amanda Lemoyche and Montserrat Ruiz is a really interesting fight in a division where Amanda Lemoyche has looked really great in her last three fights. You mentioned Matoish Gamrot. I spoke to him earlier this week. Super interested to see what he does against Jeremy Stevens, who, even though he doesn't have a win in his last five fights, look at who he's been facing. Look at who it is that has beaten him. He's still a tough out. I think that's a really good litmus test for Gamer. We get the return of Misha Tate. We get a really competitive main event that, to me, I know it's not the fight that people necessarily wanted for Islam Mahashev, and that's because nobody wants to fight this dude. And if Tiago Moises, who is also a kind of unheralded, unsung dude on a three-fight winning streak, goes out there and beats him, then we suddenly have a brand-new contender in the division. And that's kind of what I'm always looking for. And so shout-out to Bellator for a good card, an interesting card, but I give it to the UFC on Saturday. AK, what do you think? Because like we've talked about many times on this show and other shows, the pay-per-view hangovers are real. UFC 264, storyline ridden, kind of makes these upcoming cards fly under the radar. Like there should be a lot more fanfare around the fact that Islam Makachev is fighting, that Misha Tate is coming back. It's just not really there and it's not their fault. It's just what happened with 264 and everything that's come from it. And then Bellator's coming back. This is the card, sort of the go-home show to the one everyone's got their eyes on at the end of the month. That's headlined by Patricio Pitbull versus AJ McKee. So two fight cards that are interesting in their own ways, but they're not really in the most interesting times, if you will, with everything else going on. So with that being said, which card sticks out to you top to bottom more? Would you, do you like the Bellator card better? Or do you like the UFC card better? Well, the good news is people don't have to choose, you know, on the Prince of positivity. I would tell people, if you guys are looking for fights this weekend, remember Bellator's on Friday, UFC's on Saturday. You can watch both. You don't have to choose. So that's awesome. Uh, I'll make the case for Bellator. So uh, I'm certainly, uh, for all the reasons that uh, Spencer mentioned, I'm, t- I'm very excited for the UFC card. Uh, I love, I- I'm very excited to see uh, Adolfo Vieta come back. I thought that last fight was, I mean, obviously exciting as hell and completely unexpected uh, what happened to him. But I, you know, I think he's a, he's a truly an original uh, type fighter and I, I want to see, see that. So the thing, uh, before I get into Bellator, so the thing with the UFC card is it feels like, uh, I got to, I want to see if I can phrase this correctly. For a lot of these fighters, it's, it's not, they're they're one fight away from what's going to really be um, their big fight, if that makes sense. Makachev versus Moises is not the matchup that a lot of people want to see for Makachev. I think it's a cool fight on paper, but I think obviously people have been, Mike, you know, on our matchmaking show, matchmaking Makachev with people in like the top five. Like they just want to see Makachev make a big, big jump up. So there's a good fight. I don't know if it's this, this must-see fight that um, if you're a Makachev fan, that you're like, oh, I, well, I, I have to see this one. Uh, I think that's the next one. It will be his big opponent. Same with Misha Tate. You know, this is her comeback fight. They're giving a sol- another solid veteran in uh, Marion Renault, who uh, is, I believe, is going to retire after this fight. And you feel like Misha Tate, should she win, her next fight is real, really going to be the can't-miss one. I'll say the same thing about uh, Matush Gamrot. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez again. He lost his original opponent, so he's now he's now facing a newcomer. His next fight, I think, is going to be the one to watch. Um, Khalid Taha, Sergey Morozov, both great prospects. I think again, their next fight will be the great one. So it's kind of obviously, if you're a hardcore fan, you, like I said, you don't want to miss either card. But this this UFC card is like for a lot of people, it's it's the one before the one their fight that's really going to make an impact. Bellator. Somewhat the same way, but some of the fights are so like I like that it's prospect building. I like that we're going to see um, hopefully highlights for like a uh, Johnny Eblen for uh, Diana Absar- Absaragova, 
that I like cards that are built this way. I think you have Arlene Blanco on there. She's always uh, in exciting fights, so I like her a lot. And then you have the potential for a big knockout in uh, Tyrell Fortune, uh, Tar- Fortune and Matt Mitrione. But I'm really jazzed up. I'm probably overselling the card a bit because of how jazzed up I am for the main event. I actually really like the Juliana Velasquez-Denise uh, Kielholtz matchup. I haven't taken a good look at the odds. I'm a, it's my understanding that um, Denise Kielholtz is a pretty sizable underdog, which is reasonable, I suppose, given that Velasquez is, is undefeated and, and has looked great in Bellator. But I think Kielholtz is, is actually a very, very, very dangerous challenger. Uh, I like her story, how she how she got to this title shot. Obviously, she's the former Bellator kickboxing champion. So this, to me, is, is a really high-level flyweight fight. Uh, and I think flyweight, of course, is one of the most underrated divisions across MMA, uh, both in the UFC and in Bellator and elsewhere that has flyweight divisions. So the main event, I actually like – I think I like the Bellator main event more. Not, again, not take away from Makachev because he's a future star for sure. Uh, but I like the Bellator main event more. So just on the strength of that plus some of the other reasons I kind of uh, you know uh, mentioned – I'm giving Bellator the slight edge. Let me just uh, for the back to the Mitrion thing. Kevin or whoever the media member was <laughs> immediately comes out and says, "Mitrion, you're 0 and five." By the way, he's not 0 and five. He's two, three, and one in his last six fights. There's no contest. He's lost three in a row. But he hasn't lost. He's not 0 and five. So yeah, Mitrion <laughs> right. was on fire. Kudos to him for that. And by the way, AK, just so you know. Uh, VR friends at DK Nation, Juliana Velasquez, a minus 335 favorite. The comeback on Denise Kielholtz is plus 240, which let me compare it to the UFC one, which I'm sure is just outrageous. Uh, Islam Makachev is probably like one of the bigger main event. Fa- minus, what, wow, minus 670. Wow. The comeback Ooh. on Tiago Boys is plus 450. I can't remember the last time a main event was lined that that spread but uh spence let me go back to you because you write a lot of stories you talk to a lot of these fighters and you give us reasons to care and reasons that fights get built and you shine a spotlight upon them so listen i think misha tate is obviously the biggest storyline of the weekend in your eyes but outside of that and maybe even outside of islam makachev what stands out to you when you think of storylines for this weekend in MMA? Like what's something that has caught your attention that maybe not a lot of people are thinking about? I think for me, it's, it's Amanda Lemoyche. I mean, she comes back off, off a two year suspension popped hot for something after a fight with Leslie Smith. She moves down two divisions to 115 and comes out and has two finishes and three straight victories. She absolutely torched. Livia Hanata Souza last time out, a former Invicta champ. And that, to me, was an eye-opening performance. She's at number 14, I think, in the UFC rankings right now. And goes into this fight against Montserrat Ruiz, who had a tremendous performance, in my opinion, in her debut. Just kind of bulldog-choking Cheyenne Bays for 15 minutes. Cheyenne gets up and curses at her afterwards and wants to meet her out back to, to continue fighting, which is always entertaining. And so that, to me, in a division that we kind of recognize as maybe the most competitive of the UFC women's weight classes, 115, is a really entertaining fight, a really interesting fight to me where the winner isn't necessarily in title contention, but they move into that group with the really established names and and really familiar fighters like Angela Hill, like Claudia Gadella, like Michelle Watterson, where you're one or two away. And so to what AK is saying about this card being full of fights where guys are maybe one or two fights away. I agree. And that's far more compelling and far more interesting to me to see that build between contenders and competitive fights 
than seeing a Johnny Eblen go out and get another dominant victory where I'm not learning as much about him or seeing Cody Law look great for another fight where I'm not necessarily seeing him in there getting tested. I'm at, I'm more focused on seeing people get tested and, and move up than really get that showcase spotlight opportunity. Yes, what do you but think, what, what if Johnny? But what if Johnny Eblen came out with a robot, Spencer? Would that change your... <laughs> if he comes out with a robot and the How robot is doing your... a lot of work, then yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get you get the MMA fighting camera people out there to film it and focus <laughs> in on the robot again, and and we're gold. And and I will certainly again apologize for not giving the robot enough love. But I mean, to me, I I want to see these. And look, it's again nothing against Bellator. I like the way they build their cards. I, I do like that they give some of these athletes these opportunities to have these spotlight fights where you start building their name, but at a certain point, they got to get in there with somebody and they got to get in there with somebody that's going to test them. And I think right now this card is built more with showcase opportunities than fights where people are going to get tested. And so I still kind of stick with the UFC on Saturday as being the top to bottom better card for me. What storyline sticks out to you, AK, that maybe people aren't talking about? Uh, well, okay, I, I, I did say the uh, main event, but I do think there's uh, the Bellator main event, excuse me. But I do think that there is some, I do think that there is uh, some intrigue there, at least as much as, again, as there can be for sort of uh, a, a Bellator flyweight title fight that no longer involves, you know, Alima Lane McFarlane, who they had done a great job building up. So this is the first title fight in, in a few years now. Uh, that doesn't feature her. And she had a lot of good uh, storyline hooks. So uh, I think, uh, uh, well, I'll go to the UFC for, for this one. What I think the storyline is, I, I, again, I'm so intrigued um, by seeing how Hadolfa Avera does bouncing back from that loss because we have seen many like outstanding jujitsu fighters who, when they kind of hit that first road bump in MMA, um, they don't always answer respond in the best way some of them just disappear uh for being honest some of them just don't compete for where where's cron gracie you know what i mean where's uh, i should say cron gracie excuse me where's cron gracie i know he's gonna fight again i, I think we all I, I assume he's gonna fight again but it did feel like when he lost to cub swanson that it was just like okay well i'm gonna take a step back from mma now i didn't enjoy that experience um and and uh, Vieta had one of the most miserable experiences that i think a jiu-jitsu specialist can have he was submitted this guy's an ADCC grappling champion. He was submitted in a wild fight that he looked like he was going to win in the first round. Uh, it's such a humbling thing. And our, our, of course, our, our Guillermo Cruz had a great interview with um, Hadolfo, uh, which I, sorry, I don't think it's out yet. It'll be out, of course, this week before fight night. And, and, and that story to me, hopefully when that story comes out, more people will, uh, will look at this because there's, there's a lot of mockery that comes with a loss like that too when you're known for being such a great grappler. So, so it's, to me, it's very intriguing. I think they've given him a good matchup in uh, Dustin Stolzfus, but he has to go out there and perform and we'll see how serious he is about actually becoming like a, a, a UFC contender because I think he can. But when you have these other options uh, as a star grappler, you know, sometimes all it takes is one loss to derail you. So I, I, that's a fight I think people really need to pay attention to. Well, the good news is we're going to have you covered for both of these events over at MMAfighting.com, so get excited. But regulation is now over. The all-important point for round four goes to... Spencer Kite. It is two to two. Well done. 
And that means, to nobody's surprise, through 59 <laughs> episodes of this program, we are going to the knockout round. And one question will decide it all. Neither competitor knows what this question is. I just thought of this question 30 seconds ago as I was just looking at uh, at our website. But they're each going to have one minute to respond to said question. Once that is done, we will turn it out over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer on the ones and twos, E. Casey Lydon. He will render the final decision, crown the winner with the help of the live studio audience. So, A.K. Lee, back-to-back victories under your belt. You have the champion's prerogative, if you will. So, do you want this question first, which you normally like to do, or do you want to pass the first option over to Spencer? Uh, Mike, you know, it's unprecedented that I'm on a winning streak. So I think it's logically, it would be time for me to exhibit unprecedented behavior. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do exactly what people expect of me. I'm super predictable. Of course, I'm going first. Wow. All right. Spencer, <laughs> this is this is a big moment. Spencer's going to log some notes and get ready. But here's the question, AK. So I've had some pretty interesting conversations this week, one of which was with former UFC middleweight champion Luke Rockhold, who is looking to get back inside the octagon. And we had a nice conversation. We laughed. We smiled. But then we talked about his fighting career. And this man is frustrated because he hasn't been able to not only book a fight, but book a fight with somebody that even interests him. He's looking for a top 10 guy or he's looking for something exciting. And he basically said, like, give me something that's going to get me out of bed or just let me go. I'm not just taking any fight. So, AK, if you're the UFC, if you are the middleweight matchmaker right now, what is your plan of action to get Luke Rockhold in there with the right opponent that makes everybody happy? We'll attempt to do some problem solving on the show this week with the knockout round. Try to help everybody. So one minute on the clock. What do we do with Luke Rockhold that makes everybody happy? Your time starts now. Well, Mike, I don't think there's anything that's going to make everybody happy. And it really, two things really suck. Uh, I would have loved to see another fight with Jacare Souza. He's no longer with the promotion. I would have loved to see another fight with Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman is obviously recovering from an injury. So I think the way to go is, I, I, I still think what, I would like to see him go up to 205. And I would hope it's still possible for him to fight Anthony Smith. I don't, maybe the heat from this is gone, but, but I haven't given up on that matchup. I, I don't think I ever gave up on it. They talk so much crap about each other. There's just something about their personalities that I feel like are, are oil and water. I don't know if it's where they come from. I don't know if it's how they were brought up. It, I, I just really believe those are two guys. If you put them in a room, they're just going to hate each other. They're going to be professional up to fight night, but I think they would legit hate each other. I also think it's an, it's an exciting style matchup. I think it's a... I mean, I would favor Anthony Smith pretty heavily, but I think if you ask... I think casual betting side i think you get a lot of people who would believe luke rockhold could, could win that matchup so i'm not giving up anthony smith luke rockhold i think that's the way to go all right spencer over to you my friend same question how do we get luke rockhold the right fight what is the right fight how do we do it in a way where luke's happy the opponent's happy fans are happy the ufc etc everybody is happy one minute on the clock your time starts now two words darren till we always talk about this guy as still being a title contender. He is absolutely going to talk a bunch of junk. He's got a bunch of people that are interested in him. He's going to come out there and throw shots. He's going to stand in the pocket and, and trade with Luke Rockhold. And that's, I think, what Luke Rockhold wants, is a guy that's going to put him right back in the mix. That's what he said. Darren Till's kind of in limbo right now. He fell out of another fight. We're not sure 
where he's at, what he's doing. I've been seeing some pictures of, you know, super puffy face Darren Till on, on Ariel Hawani's Twitter timeline lately. Give me that fight. Give me these two dudes just talking junk at each other for a couple of weeks, building up to a co-main event spot or even a main event spot on a fight night card where they get potentially five rounds. Winner gets into that middleweight title conversation, which is where both want to be. And it's something that doesn't take away from guys that are actually competing lately and, and on their way up. And lastly, I always have to shout out Casey's mustache. It's just phenomenal. Wow. Smart play. Smart play. He's watched the show, Casey. He knows that you got to you gotta plant the seeds. You got to talk about the baddest stash in MMA. So as we await for the, the fine people watching our program right now to chime in with how they feel this knockout route went, just a reminder, uh, we will be covering both of these shows for you. Bellator 262 tomorrow. UFC Vegas 31 on Saturday. We will have a live preview show tomorrow for the UFC card uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific time. Uh, so join us for that. Bring your thoughts, your comments, your questions in regards to that event. And uh, then we get a very busy week next week in the world of MMA. More on that coming up uh, at the beginning of next week. But at this moment, it is time to turn it over to the man without sleeves, the man with the mustache, E. Casey Lydon, the man who captured the robot better than anybody, anybody, for that press conference in LA. Casey, who wins? Thank you, gentlemen. It was a great, it was a great competition. Um, unfortunately, I can't pick the robot to win because clearly he is the winner. But for you two gentlemen, what's it what are people online saying? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I, I, I can't say that out loud. Oh boy. Okay. Your winner. Oh man. The Canadian. <laughs> and. New Spencer guy. Congratulations. Spencer gets the win. The winning streak is over. The winning streak is over. Wow. I actually for I thought for I thought Spencer might have shot himself in the foot, honestly, with that question, because <laughs> Darren Till is supposed to fight Derek Brunson, although that fight is not official at this moment because there's dates and there's locations and geographical crap going on right now. But man, there you go. Congratulations, Spencer. You brought the noise. You brought the noise, my friend, even though you insulted the robot. Uh, we, you still walk away with the victory. And with that, you don't get any money or a championship belt. You get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different. Plug your own stuff, whatever you want, in regards to MMA. I want to thank you guys, first and foremost, for having me. I want to thank Casey for siding with another E-period competitor. <laughs> we all got to stick together. Uh, shout out to people that, that said you picked Darren Till and you automatically win. Um, thank you for having me. I do stand by my promise. Jake Paul goes out and looks good. I'm, I'm coming back to it for my closing. Jake Paul comes out and looks good. I will be back here. I will jump on a rascal scooter and drive around the Costco <laughs> singing rap songs and praising AK Lee. I have a man of my word. You can hold me to it. I look forward to coming back and defending my title. 
whatever you guys can find me a suitable opponent. Well, Spencer, the thing about this program is you win and you move on. So hopefully we can book you next week and uh, you can defend your victory. I will say there is no actual champion right now. So I think we're going to, I think this, this got really interesting. So more on that coming up next week, because I have an idea that's going to shake the foundation of BTL, but AK, the look in your eyes says it all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Ah, man. You're like the, you're like the Miami Dolphins from the early 2010s right now. I didn't respect him, Mike. I didn't respect him. You told me I was having a fellow Canadian on here, and you said who it was, and I'm not going to lie. I said, I, my, my reaction my reaction was, him? I don't need to train for this. I'm sorry, Spencer. I'm just being real with people here. Hey, I said, listen. I don't need to train for this. I don't need to prepare. I, I, feel, I feel like a, I only blame myself. I feel like a fool. I, I am happy to be the Dustin Poirier to your Conor McGregor. Don't we could do this as many times don't over. Say, don't say that. The result is going to be the same every single time. Wow. Dang. I'm so salty right now. Dang. My sodium levels. My sodium levels are <laughs> at a very bad level Through right now. Through the roof. Well, you guys are are excellent competitors. I appreciate you both coming on here and spending a little over an hour with fine folks watching and listening to this program right now. But we are getting out of here. Thank you so much for checking out the program. We will be back next week. However, there will be a little bit of a caveat mixed in. I'm going to be on the road. So when the show will happen, hopefully we'll still make it happen on Thursday. It will probably be at a different time slot. So just throwing that out there. But uh, that's it for AK, for Spencer, for the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you next week once again Between the Links. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links. I'm Esther Lynn. You can tell because it's my beautiful voice. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, AK. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.